Welcome to the Vineyard Altoona podcast. If you have any questions or just want more information, you can visit our website at vineyardaltuna.org or any of our social media platforms at Vineyard Altoona. And now, here's Betty with the message. So last week, Derek opened it up by talking about anxiety and how that is a common human experience and that Jesus is very much present in that. And then this week, we are going to talk about struggle. The struggle is real, is it not? I know that as I say that, I don't really have to build the case too much because struggle is not a stranger for any of us. And I know that as soon as that word comes into mind, there's a million examples that run through your head of the ways that you have struggled or that you have walked with somebody else who has struggled. And in the past few months of my life, I have known struggle in a different way than I did before. And I'm going to sound a little bit like Derek Kyleman for a second when I say that there are some things that I would love to be able to tell you this morning that I can't yet say. Um, but I'm going to try to communicate the best I can. Maybe someday I'll be able to share more, but there are some things that I can't completely share. But I would like to share with you the beginning of some of the struggle of the last few months for me. Uh, it started off so exciting, one of the most magical and beautiful and um, fairy tale parts of my life as I got married six months ago. And we set off on an adventure. We were excited to start life together. We were so excited to have a home together and be able to walk through this adventure of life. And so we set off on an adventure of our honeymoon. We were a little bit unconventional. Instead of going to a beach or on a cruise or to a big city, we decided we were going to go to Africa, because why not? <laughs> so we go to Africa, we go to Uganda. We have this um, amazing experience on this five-day safari. Got to hike with gorillas and see elephants, and it was so magical, so beautiful. And then we were going to travel up to northern Uganda, and my husband spent several years off and on uh, working and serving in South Sudan. And some of the local people from South Sudan that he lived life with while he was there and that he got to know, they uh, were displaced from their homes, from their community, and now they're living as refugees in northern Uganda. And they've been there since 2017. And so they, of course, became uh, very close with, with my husband during his time serving and, and living in Uganda or in South Sudan. And so he wanted to be able to introduce me to them. And they're, they are like family. And so they wanted to be able to celebrate with him. So we take this treacherous bus ride up to northern Uganda, which is a whole other story, and we are welcomed by my husband's friend, Alex, and he's kind of like a father to his community, and this is the third time in his life that he's been displaced and lived as a refugee, and he welcomed us. He gathered all the local pastors of that region and had them pray over us and bless us. And then he welcomed us into his home, which 
home there means a plot of land that they are given as refugees, and then they build these little mud huts uh, for all the members of their family and their community. So he welcomes us onto this compound and gathers his family and the neighbors and friends, and they blessed us with this amazing celebration. They blessed us with the best food they had to offer that they spent all day cooking. They prepared songs and dance uh, to help celebrate us. They even, he had one of his neighbors come and measure us and then get a bunch of ladies together and create these matching African outfits. It was one of the most humbling experiences of my life as these people, many of whom live on less than a dollar a day and who have been displaced from their homes for years and have very little blessed us abundantly and welcomed us into this place and celebrated us. It was so humbling. So we stayed in their community with them for a couple of days. And then we were going to make our way back down to southern Uganda, where we were going to finish out our honeymoon. And then we were going to uh, fly back home. And so we get about an hour out of the settlement, and we were going to stop at a hotel for the night in this small community. And we were only going to be there for one night. Uh, but... Uh, COVID decided to say hello to us on our honeymoon. And uh, so we were there for almost a week, quarantined. And thankfully, we were safe. And we had brought things with us um, to be prepared in such situation. Um, But it was still scary to be in this place so far from home, so unfamiliar, And, of course, this was not what we expected on our exciting adventure. Um, But this friend, Alex, he would drive every single day on his little motorcycle an hour from their settlement to come and, like, talk to us through a wall and to give us bananas and vitamins and and to comfort us, to remind us that we were going to be okay. And even in the times when we were just, we were nervous, we were scared, we felt vulnerable, he reminded us how God was with us, and he encouraged us, he, he got it. Even though it was just a little glimpse of struggle that we were facing in comparison with his life, um, he comforted us. And little did we know, this was just the beginning of a long struggle for us, So we were able to get out of the country of Uganda, um, but this is a little bit more of what I can't share too many details of, but for the next three months, uh, we lived out of a suitcase, we slept on a basement floor, and we didn't know um, if or when we would be able to come back home. And uh, our future and a, a lot of the, f- the future for us was in the hands of people who have a lot of power, but not a lot of um, accountability or concern for the people and the lives that they have power over. And that was a really eye-opening experience for me and something I never thought that I would face and something I never thought that I would understand or know. But it taught me some really profound things. 
And I know that for all of us, in the middle of struggle, there's a few questions that we ask. Of course, one of the biggest questions is why, right? And I remember every day during that time, like waking up, and any time I had the emotional energy, I would find myself asking the question, why is this happening? What is the purpose of this? And sometimes we don't know in the moment, and sometimes we never know why, right? It could be maybe mistakes that we've made. It could be sin that other people have committed against us. It could be simply because we live in a world that is very broken. Or it could be because God is doing something bigger that we cannot yet see. Or it could be a combination of some or all of those things. We don't always know. And we don't always ever find out. But I think another question we ask as we're wrestling through this question of why and trying to make sense of all of it is, does does God see me? Does he know how much this hurts? Does he understand the pain? Does he understand the confusion? Does he understand what it's like to be sitting in the unknown and not knowing how this is going to work out? Does he get it? Right? No matter what struggle it is, it's so easy to find us in this spot just wondering if God truly gets it. So we're going to look at a story that we usually see around the time of Christmas, but it's a really important story to set up the life of Jesus as he stepped into the human experience. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 23. And to set this up a little bit, this is in the NIV. To set this up a little bit, this is after Jesus was born. And this is after, um, just after the wise men, the Magi, had come to visit him. And after King Herod had discovered his birth and that he was allegedly going to be king of the Jews and he was very threatened by that. And so we see this picking up in verse 13. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord, so they meaning the Magi, When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up. He took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. When what was, when what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled, a voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, 
and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was, which is the son of Herod, was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went to live in a town called Nazareth. So it was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. So we see in this story quite a roller coaster, starting with the life of Mary and Joseph. And knowing a little bit of their backstory as well, I'm sure this wasn't how they expected the beginning of their life together to go. They were in a time preparing to, to be married, and then an angel shows up to Mary and Joseph, and they get these news in different ways, right? Mary is found to be with child, and she's a virgin. This isn't how she expected her life to go. And the same with, with Joseph, and they had to face a lot of the social tensions that came with that at the time. And that's a huge responsibility. It's a, and it's an exciting, amazing news that they received, but there, I'm sure, was a weight that came with that. And then here they are being seen running for their lives, or at least to protect the life of their child, who they've been told is the Messiah. That's a pretty weighty um, experience. And so when we see that Jesus comes into the world, and we think about this sometimes during uh, Christmas time, that he could, have been, he could have chosen to be born into royalty or to someone rich or even into um, a, a family and a situation that was secure and safe. But we see that he was basically born a refugee to a refugee family. And if we look into the history, we see that Herod died about three to four years after Jesus was born. So this wasn't just like a week away, hunkering down until it was safe to go back. This was years that they were just waiting, hoping that they wouldn't be found. And even when it was safe to return back to Israel, they still weren't able to go back to their hometown. They still had to go to another region in order to be safe. And this sets up the human experience for Jesus. And so as we see throughout his life, as he eventually steps into ministry, that he really did understand a life of struggle a life of uncertainty, even if he knew what was coming and even if he knew eventually what would be fulfilled, that for his family, there was this deep experience of uncertainty and of struggle. And so when Jesus begins to interact with people, he does so not just out of a place of pity, but he ministers to them out of a place of genuine empathy. And we see this in multiple ways, right? Before Jesus starts his ministry, we see that he has this long period of fasting. He goes 40 days without eating. And then later we see him feeding the masses. He knows true hunger, right? 
And as he interacts with people who are outcasts from society and people who feel that they don't have a place to call home, Jesus knows this experience. Growing up, Jesus was misunderstood. Nobody, nobody got it. Nobody got the fact that he was the Messiah, that he was the chosen one, that he was the son of God who was going to save all of Israel. He was incredibly and deeply misunderstood. And so when he interacts with people who are misunderstood and judged and outcast from society, he gets it. He gets all of it. He got it then, and he gets it now. A lot of times when we're walking through struggle, it might feel like no one gets us. I don't know if any of you, I'm sure some of you have had this experience where you're going through something really profound and maybe you start to share this experience with someone. Like for myself, I was diagnosed with a condition that affects almost every system of my body and I remember times telling somebody this and they're like oh like I didn't feel good once (laughs) right and they're like trying to be like oh I totally I totally get how it feels I totally get it you're like no you don't you really don't so maybe you feel like no one gets it and honestly maybe no one really does maybe they try to Maybe they want to, you know, maybe they attempt to show compassion or to understand, but maybe it's not possible for people sometimes to fully get it. But we can find comfort knowing that in all things, he really, really does get it. And if we take it a little step further, we see something else really profound that the life of Jesus shows us that while he's so present in the struggle, that the struggle never lasts forever. The struggle never lasts forever. Sometimes we might look at stories of Jesus healing people during his ministry and think, wow, he healed them instantly. That's great. must be nice that that problem, that struggle they're dealing with is suddenly gone. But sometimes we forget all of the years that led to that moment. If we think about the people who were lame or blind or deaf um, or outcast from society their entire life until they encountered Jesus, can you imagine how they felt those years leading up to that moment? Wondering, is this struggle ever going to end? Or just assuming that it would never end? Or we think about, for example, the bleeding woman, right? This woman had been struggling with this issue for 10 years. She was not allowed to interact with society. She was physically depleted. Imagine how she felt two years into this condition. Imagine how she felt five years in, right? Seven years in, nine years in, after having tried everything to find relief and finding none. I imagine that in those years, she thought to herself, either this struggle is never going to end or this struggle is going to be the end of me until she met Jesus. Just as much as Jesus gets struggle, 
he gets freedom from the struggle. He gets the moment of overcoming struggle, right? He gets, he gets the victory that comes after the struggle. And we see that ultimately in his life and his death and his resurrection. I can only imagine how long those three days felt to the people who loved Jesus and didn't understand what was happening and how he could die and go through this this brutal death. I can't imagine how long that felt. But the victory that came when Jesus rose from the dead shows us that struggle does not have to have the last word, ever. And that for those of us who have our hope in Jesus, that struggle does not have to be the end of us. That we can be reminded that he's not just present with us in the midst of struggle, but that he overcomes the struggle. That's really good news, is it not? So what does this mean for us? I think there's a few invitations here. The first is simply to receive the comfort and hope that comes knowing that Jesus gets it. That even if we're in the middle of a struggle and we don't know how long it's going to be, And that doesn't mean that it's going to be easy right away. It doesn't mean that it's going to be gone right away, but that in the midst of whatever struggle it is, that he is present with us. And we can find hope knowing that that struggle is not forever. And I think that's the first invitation, is to accept that hope and that comfort that we can have knowing that he gets it. And then the second is this. How can we embrace whatever struggle it is that we have walked through or maybe are walking through in order to get others, in order to be present in their struggle? Just as I think about Alex who was present with us in that small moment of struggle and knowing how Jesus was present with me in each moment that that I didn't know what was going to happen next. How can we be that for others? Now I I teach English as a second language and I work with people from all over the world, many of whom now are living here and away from everything that they know, away from their homes, trying to figure out life in this new place. Some of them made that choice out of opportunity, but some of them made that choice because really that was kind of the only option for them. And as I hear their stories, as I listen to the life that they walk through, whether it's a refugee or as an immigrant, I've always had compassion for their stories, but and I don't, I haven't experienced in any way close to what they are walking through or what they will continue to walk through. 
but I have more understanding now than I ever thought I would. And I believe that that is a gift from God. And I believe that that has given me the opportunity to love in a way that I might have I've tried to before, but didn't know how to before, if that makes sense. There are some things that we will never experience in order to you know, show that understanding to others, but all of us have walked through something. And how beautiful is it when we have the opportunity to be present with people in the middle of struggles, just as Jesus has been present with us, that we get to tangibly be that for people. Or even more than that, maybe there's a struggle that you have overcome and you're on the other side of it and there are people who are now in the trenches of it. How beautiful is it that maybe you can be an example of hope for them and a reminder that the struggle doesn't have to last forever. Or maybe you're still struggling with it, but you carry a hope with you knowing that that struggle will not last for eternity and people will be able to experience that hope because of your life. I think those are the two invitations for us. One, that we might just be comforted and given hope in the middle of whatever it is we're walking through. And two, that we might be that for others in the way that Jesus has been that for us. Thank you again for choosing the Vineyard Altoona podcast. We're so excited to see how God will release his kingdom in and through you today for the glory of Jesus Christ. With this, be blessed, and we'll see you next time.